I'm Pastor JP. Welcome. We are so glad you are checking us out online. We hope the word you're about to hear is an encouraging point in your life today. So we're praying for you. We love you. Stay tuned. I am glad that you are all here today. It's such a joy to see you. I know you don't see me much because I've been traveling a lot. Praise God for that. And he's just been doing some wonderful, wonderful things. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you some of those things right now because I'm just I'm still in amazement over all that he's done. You know, we serve a miracle-working God. Amen. The things that he did back then, he is still doing today. There is nothing that has changed about our God. He never changes, amen? And so he's not going to start changing now. But we as a people have got to start believing and stepping out into that power, amen? So anyway, just let me tell you, a lot of you know that I do jail and prison ministry. Some of you follow um, my prison ministry online, and you've seen some of the testimonies, so this may not be uh, news to you, but I'm going to share it for those of you that don't know. We have been seeing God just show up in power and heal, miraculously, instantly heal people in the jails and prisons. When, um, like I told you before, I go into a jail, a women's jail, every week, and God just began to show up in power right after COVID, and it was a long time. We'd been out of the jail for a long time. I didn't know if we were ever going to get to go back in, but when we did, God began to show up in such power that it absolutely blew my mind. Women were getting saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I would go in and begin to pray for these women. They would fall out in the Spirit, and when I would help them up, they would be speaking in tongues. That's how powerful our Holy Spirit is. They might not have even understood it, but they knew that something had hit them. Something had changed, and it was the Holy Spirit. Well, this went on, and it was, it was good. Everything was going great, and I, we were seeing that every week, every week and more. We water baptized 25 ladies, and so then Charisma Magazine did an article on what was happening in the jails, and so I had a chaplain invite me to come and speak at the men's prison in Whiteville. Now, that was a little bit out of my comfort zone. I think I talked to you the last time. I, it was just before going in there, and, and I didn't know what to expect, and I was like, I don't know about that. That's a little bit out of my comfort zone, and Brian was like, hon, I don't, I, that don't just really sound real safe, and so I was kind of praying about it and asking God, what should I do, and Brian told me one night, he said, "Hun, I know that you're going to do what God is asking you to do, and if that's what he's asked you to do, then you go ahead. God will protect you. And so he gave me his blessing, but as I walked out of the room, he said, but it was nice knowing you. So I knew that he was on board. But anyway, um, so I went into the Whiteville men's prison. God began to show up in power there. We began to see the same thing. Men saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then that chaplain moved on to Riverbend Maximum Security Prison. And then he asked me to come in there. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what in the world? <laughs> what are we going to do there? You know, it's a maximum security prison. They even have death row. And so I was like, well, Lord, if anybody needs Jesus, it's those people. So let's go. So uh, anyway, I started going there. Same thing. God has been moving in power, saving and baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. 
But you know, you get to a point in time where you see all these things, and that's great. I, salvation is the most important thing we can experience, amen? That is, that is the top of the line. That's as high as you can go as far as I'm concerned. But after you see this on a regular basis for a long time, for an extended period of time, you, I, anyway, became dissatisfied. I got to a point where I had a holy dissatisfaction with where I was. I was seeing these things happen, but I wanted to see more. God had promised me a long time ago that I was going to see a lot more. And so I was ready to see more. And at the point when I had almost given up on that promise from God, I went into the jail one night and couldn't even believe what God did. Five ladies healed in one night. The first lady come forward, she had, she had no hearing in her right ear, completely deaf. And she said, I was hitting the ear with a baseball bat. The doctor said, there's no corrective surgery. Nothing can be done to restore my healing that I will be deaf in that ear for the rest of my life. And I said, do you believe that God can touch you? And she said, yes, ma'am, I do. I put my hand over her ear, and I just prayed a simple prayer. And when I removed my hand, she was looking so wild. And she said, Miss Donna, I can hear. I can hear. And so everybody started rejoicing, and then everybody came up for prayer that had anything wrong at all. And we saw a lady healed of rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, bad knees were healed. We had, there was a condition where a lady, she had something wrong with her eyelids. She could see fine, but she couldn't keep her eyelids open for some reason. The doctor said it was some strange condition. God touched her. Her eyes opened up, and the, the ladies looked at her and said, oh, it's so good to see your eyes. They're beautiful. <laughs> and so that is just one thing after another. From week to week, there's some kind of healing going on in the jail. There was a lady that had a painful knot on her hand. It's gone. No more pain. So that was great, and I was excited about that. So then I went back to the Whiteville Men's Prison. Now, this time, I didn't know, you know, what to expect there. It's a little bit different there. You know, we're really pressed for time. When I go to the jail, these ladies, they don't want to leave the service, and sometimes we're there for four hours watching God move. Four hours, these ladies are lifting their praise to God, giving him all they've got because they're hungry and they know that God has more for them. But when I go to Whiteville and when I go to Riverbend, I'm really pressed for time. I have an hour and 15 minutes total. And so y'all know me, I like to talk a lot. I'm going to try not to keep you till four o'clock today. But anyway, I was just really, really excited, but I didn't know what to expect. And I went in and I just began to share with those men the testimonies of what was happening to the women in the jail. So when I gave the altar call at the end, it was like a stampede. And they came forward with all of their prayer requests. And God began to touch and heal people again. A man's eye was healed. He'd been shot in that eye and was blind. Another man had um, all kinds of different problems with depression. He says that he's no longer having the depression that he had. But the one that really, really got me, the one that just really blew my mind, and to this day, I still cannot believe it because I've never experienced this before in my life. There was a young black man braids all across the back of his hair and he had them looped around and just kind of connected in the back and he had come to every service I never really thought anything about it about why he wore his hair like that or anything but he came up to me 
And he said, Miss Donna, I want you to pray for my head. And I said, what's, what's wrong? And he said, I have two tumors on the back of my head, one on each side, and they're about the size of golf balls. And he said, I want them gone. He said, that's why I wear my hair like this. And he pulled his hair up, and I could see it. And so I said, well, do you believe that God can heal you? And he said, yes, ma'am. And so I reached behind him, and I put my hands on both of those tumors on the back of his head, and I just simply began to pray. And I promise you, I have never experienced this before in my life, and it still gives me goosebumps to this day to tell you about it. But when I began to pray, I literally felt those tumors disappear beneath my hands. They completely shrank, and my hands went flat to the back of his head. And I looked at him, and I said, Brother, you better feel the back of your head. And he reached back there, and he said, They're gone! (laughs) And he ran over, and he showed the chaplain, and the chaplain was rejoicing. And we had church, (laughs) I'm telling you. And so it's just been one thing after another. Riverbend, same thing. We had a man who was, he was stabbed in his arm right here, and he had extensive nerve damage, so he couldn't open his hand. It was, it was like stuck in a, in a fixed position, and he said, my, hand, my arm is numb from here all the way down, and I can't move it, and I have no feeling whatsoever. And I said, well, let's pray. So we prayed for it, and so he went on. And I was praying for all the others. And when I got to the end of the line, he was standing at the end of the line again. And I said, "Um, do you want to pray again? And he's like, yes. He said, but I have to tell you something. He said, the reason I come back for prayer is because my arm is hurting really, really bad now. And I was like, oh. And he said, no, that's not a bad thing. He said, I've never felt anything in it. So I know God's doing something. And I said, amen. I said, so let's pray. And I just simply laid my hand on his arm and began to pray. And as I did, those fingers opened and his hand completely opened right before our eyes. I'm telling you, our God still heals. He still does the miraculous. So all of these things, and I think we've got a picture I want to show you of one more um, man, if you've got it back there from Tullahoma, and this is a man named Ellis, and this was a couple of months ago, and I went to preach at Tullahoma, Tennessee, and I, was, I spoke for a women's uh, retreat the day before, and they had asked me to stay and preach on Sunday. And you know, this is how the enemy works on us, because I've been seeing all these healings, right? I've been seeing God do all of these amazing things. And then when I gave the altar call, all of these people came forward for prayer, and I began to go, and I was praying for them one by one. And I hadn't really paid attention who was standing there until I got in front of each one of them. And all of a sudden, I walked over, and I'm standing right in front of this man who was completely blind. And I looked at him, and my faith hit the floor. Even though I've seen God do all these things, right? My faith hit the floor because I'm looking at what I can see. I can see this man is completely blind. He's got the glasses. He's got the cane. This is, no bit, you know, this is serious business here. And I said, sir, what do you want me to pray for? He said, I want to see. And I said, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. So I prayed for him. I said, brother, can you see anything? And he said, no, ma'am, I can't. And I said, well, we're going to pray again. I said, even Jesus prayed twice for the blind man. So we prayed for him again. I said, do you see anything now? He said, no, ma'am, I don't see anything. And I said, I'm going to pray one more time. And I prayed for him again, and he still didn't see anything. And I said, well, all right. I said, I'll tell you what. 
I want you to stand here. I want you to keep worshiping Jesus as if you've already received the healing. You keep pouring out your praise to him as if you're already healed. And he said, yes, ma'am. So I went side and I started, I continued to pray for people. And then I came back around on the other side. And as I was coming back through there, I heard the biggest commotion break out on this side of the church that I have ever heard in my life. And I thought, whoo, the Holy Ghost broke out over there. And so I didn't know what was going on, and I, I continued to pray for people. And, and all of a sudden, I heard somebody say, Donna, Donna. And somebody tapped me on the shoulder, and I turned around, and it was this, this man. His name's Ellis. You see, what I didn't know is while I was still praying for people, he had taken them glasses off and thrown them down. He had folded up that cane and put it away, and he had ran downstairs to Children's Church to look into the face of his son for the first time. So when he came back up those stairs, amen, praise Jesus. When he came back up those stairs, he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, I just wanted to see your face before I left. And I just was so overjoyed and so overwhelmed because Jesus is faithful. It's him. I don't have any power. It's like I said, I have no power of my own. I have nothing in my own strength that could have brought him healing. But as I stood there and said, all right, God, I need you to do this. I need you to step in and heal this man. Then he did it because God is a healing, miracle, working God. We went back to um, Whiteville just this past Wednesday. Uh, Noah Walker went with me. I don't see him. Is he here? Oh, he's back there. Oh, there he is, raising his hand. Okay. And he can attest to this. God showed up in power. We had a lot more men come forward for prayer. But there was a particular man that came in at the beginning of the service, and I heard applause break out, and I thought, what's going on? And so finally I said, all right, I don't know what's going on. Y'all going to have to tell me what you're clapping about because I'm, I'm curious now. And so they said, tell her, tell her. And so he said, Miss Donna, he said, you know, last month I came up and had you to pray for me for colon cancer. And I said, yeah. He said, I went back and my scans of my colon were clear. Praise Jesus. He is good. There is nothing he can't do. Now, he still has some other areas of cancer, but we prayed again. We believe that God's taking care of that too because God is healing. He is doing the work. So we're just going to go ahead and get started today. I, I'm, like I said, I'm fired up. After seeing all this, I'm fired up. And I believe that if you have a need here this morning and you want something from God, he's here to do it. Amen. So this is the thing I want to ask you. So we know that salvation's a free gift, right? Amen. We know it's a free gift. Anyone can be saved. We can be saved and and we have a choice when we become saved. We can, we can muddle through life as we are and, and just live things out and be okay. But if we want to walk in power, it's going to cost us something. Amen? Yes, salvation is free, but to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit is going to cost you something. It comes at a price. It's not something that you can just do at a drop of a hat. And God expects us to desire all that he has. Amen. He wants us to have more than we have and continually more and more and more. Because you cannot exhaust his supply of power in your life. Amen. 
So we're going to cover four points today. And um, these are some of the things, if you want to walk in power, then we're going to cover some of the things that I feel like you really need to do if you're going to walk in power, okay? So our first one is seek God's face. You know, the thing that I have experienced in these jails and in the prisons, everywhere I go, you know, when I give the altar call, I don't have to sit back and wait. I don't have to beg. I don't have to say, all right, y'all, if there's anybody else. Because they come up like a stampede. They are hungry for God. When they come into that place, they come expecting. They come expecting something from God, not something from the minister, but something from the God of all creation. And you see, I may fail them, but God will never fail them. And so when they come expecting and they come with a hungry heart, God pours it out. And so the first thing we need to do is if we're going to move and work in powerful ways for God, we're going to have to be steadfast. We're going to have to be saved, but then we're going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, that's the thing I'm seeing happen first. These men are getting saved, but then immediately after, they're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And you see, that is where our power comes from. He gives us the power to do what we cannot do on our own. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so we get filled with the Holy Spirit, but I don't know about you, but sometimes I leak. Maybe you don't, but I do. And so we need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time thing. Yes, we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have the initial physical evidence, and that means that we have it. But then we can continue to be filled because, like I said, our God has an inexhaustible supply, and he wants to continue to pour it out on us if we're willing. And as long as we're hungry and desiring more from him, he's going to continue to pour it in. And that's going to give us that stamina to keep going for him. Amen? And we need that. I'm going to try to cover these really quickly. I've got four points. So if you can stick with me for four, we're good. All right, number two, come out from among the rest. Oh, you say, how do you do that? Especially in the world that we live in. We have to go to work. We have to be around people, right? I told the men in the prison this too. Come out from among the rest. How are they going to do that? <laughs> They're locked up with the rest all day long. But we can come out from amongst the rest and act differently than the world, even though we're a part of the world. You see, we have to live in the world, but we don't live of the world. Jesus said to be holy because he is holy. And if we are striving to be holy... If we are striving to be like Jesus, there shouldn't be any worldliness in us. Amen? And so we want to look like Jesus. We want to strive to be holy. And, and holiness is very, very important in our lives. And now some of you are saying, oh, now she's getting legalistic. No, I'm not getting legalistic. I just believe that God likes to use clean vessels. All right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I like to eat off clean plates, right? If you're going to display, you want to display, God's going to display his power, but he's going to use a clean vessel because he wants the honor. So come out from amongst the rest. Paul asked, what fellowship can light have with darkness? Right? And so we are to be a light in the darkness, 
But if we let our light go out, then we're no different than the darkness and there's no light to be found. So we have to be different. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, and 18 says, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. My next point is very good one. Y'all going to love this one. Number three is be willing to look foolish. Oh, doesn't that contradict everything that comes natural to us? We don't want to look foolish, do we? Every day we strive to not look foolish, or at least I do most of the time. But we have to be willing to look foolish. Now, I don't mean look weird. There's a difference in looking, being foolish and being just plain weird, okay? And God's not calling you to be weird. He wants you to be willing to be obedient to Him, even if that means that you're going to look a little foolish. I've got a good example for this one. I was going out to speak in a large church just outside of Washington, D.C., and I found out that they had a whole lot of pastors on staff, and I had just got my first level of credential, so I was really, really nervous. And so I found out that they had probably more pastors on staff than we have in our church. And most of these pastors had all kinds of degrees. They had more letters behind their name than I have in my name. And so I was like, what in the world, God? So I started praying. I'm like, you've got to give me a really good message. I need a really deep theological message. Give me something that's just really going to astound the people. You know, something that they look at and they're like, wow, you know, I've never thought about it that way. Give me something really deep. I really want them to be impressed because I got all these pastors that know all these things and, and I don't want to look crazy in front of them. So please give me something that's going to make me look smart, well-educated, eloquent. And so as I sat there and I prayed all that, God said, I want you to this. And it was a very simple message. And I was like, Lord, that's not quite going along with my plan. I wanted to sound really smart. This is like the most simple message I've ever preached in my life. Why would you want me to preach this message? It was a simple message on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I said, all of these people, they've got all of these pastors on staff. Everybody in this church is probably filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't need this. And I argued with God and argued with God. And then he asked me simple, oh, that small, still voice that can really get under your skin sometimes. Are you willing to look foolish for me? And when I heard that, I sat up and I said, ooh. And I had to think about it for a minute. Because if I'm going to be honest with God, it's not easy to look foolish in front of other people, is it? Because you might be wondering, well, God, what you going to cause me to do? What you want me to do that's going to make me look foolish? I mean, I ain't, I ain't into doing cartwheels across the platform. But that wasn't what he was calling me to do. He just wanted me to speak that simple message that he had given me. And so I said, okay, Lord, I will. I will look foolish for you. And as soon as I said that, I looked down, and my Bible was already open in my lap. I had paid no attention to what I had opened it to. I just had it open, and it was just laying in my lap. And when I looked down, these are the verses that I saw. It popped right off the page at me. 
1 Corinthians 1, 25 through 29. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And then I looked right across the page at 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, and it said, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And I said, Jesus, that's all I want. I'll look as foolish as you want me to look as long as you show up in power and do what you want to do. I preached that simple message that Sunday when I got there, looking just as foolish as I could. And when I gave that altar call, I was absolutely amazed. Hundreds of people received the baptism in the Holy Spirit that morning. And it wasn't because of me, but it was because I was willing to look foolish. I was obedient, even though it was going to cost me something. Even though I was going to look a little foolish in my message. It was going to be really simple. It wasn't anything really eloquent. But y'all know me anyway. I'm plain. I'm simple. I have nothing to prove. I'm not an eloquent speaker. You all know my testimony. You know where I've come from. You know the things that have happened in my life, the things that I had to triumph over through Jesus. I've got problems. I've had problems just like everybody else. But you see, the thing of it is I chose to follow God and I chose to let him use me in whatever way he wanted to. And when I let go of my past and said, God, you do what you want to do with this life from this point on, regardless of how it looks, then God began to step in and move. And he wants to do the same thing in each and every one of your lives. But are you willing are you willing to just step out and look foolish? And to wrap it up with my fourth point here, we have to believe, even if. Even if. I really love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I told the, I told the prisoners the other day, we were talking about it, and I said, say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said it, and I was like, that's good, now say it backwards. <laughs> Try it. Not easy, is it? So anyway, this is the thing I love about the story is they were determined. What happens when we believe? There's a lot of things that happen when we believe. If we're going to look at what Jesus said happens when we believe in his own words, in Mark 9, 23, he says, all things are possible for one who believes. Amen? All things. Mark 16, 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. 
They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. John 14, 12, Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my Father. But many things happen in our lives to cause us to doubt, right? There's a lot of things that happen, but God is looking for us to have a resolve that says, I will still believe you even if I don't see it. And so that's why I want to go to Daniel. Daniel 3, 16 through 18. And this is what happened. You know, I love this because, you know, the Nebuchadnezzar had made this big idol. He'd made this big statue, and he told all of the people that you're going to have to bow down when they play the instruments, when you hear the harp, the lyre, or the flute, all of these things, then you are to bow down and worship this God I've created. And so all of the people did, except for these stubborn ones, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so there's always some snitches in the crowd, right? And so they went and told the king. And so he calls them up there. And this is what they say to him. The king says first, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I love that. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from you, from your majesty's hand. But even if, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if. What is your even if? What is your even if today? There may be things that you've prayed for for years. There may be things that you've asked God to do and it hasn't happened yet. But we have to lift up that resolve and say, even if God. I asked the men in the prison this the other day. I said, some of you have shorter sentences. Some of you may be here for life. I don't know. I don't know your situation Some of you may think you're getting out in a few months. I said, but you come in here and you worship God and you seek him and you raise up your praise to him. But even if you don't get out of here for the rest of your life, are you still going to serve him? Even if he doesn't move on your behalf and let you go, are you have the resolve to say, I still... And serve my master. And no matter what this world looks like, I'm going to serve him even if. Even if. There's a lot of things that we look at in our lives. And, and we have to take inventory of everything in our life. And I, I think we need to really look at it this way. If there's anything in our lives that we would say, well, if that happened... That would cause me to cease to serve God. I believe if that happened, I would completely turn my eyes away from God and go a different direction. If there's something that fills that spot, that thing is an idol. And we have to break down all the idols in our lives. 
have to get serious with God, even if we don't see him working, even if it doesn't look like he's moving, because we know that even when it doesn't look like he's moving, he is moving. He is working things together for our good, even when we don't see it. We sing that song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Oh, yes, he is. He is working, but we lack patience a lot of times, don't we? I'm going to wrap this up. So if the worship team, if y'all want to come on back, I want you to look at this last thing. And this is the whole important thing of why God does the things that he does why he does the miracles, why he heals. He does those things, first of all, because he loves, right? We know he loves. He wants people to be well. Those stripes that were laid on his back were so we could have that healing. And so he's already paid for it. The victory's already won. But the reason that he does that is Not so much just so he can be doing a bunch of miracles all the time and people can be just like, wow, wow, look at that. But he does it as a testimony to others so that others see what God can do and then they realize there's something to this God that we serve. That he is still working miracles. That there is nothing that's impossible And I love what Daniel 3.28 says because this is the result of their obedience and their resolve to serve God even if. When they came out of that fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. It's the power of salvation. And God wants these miracles to be done for His glory, not for ours. So we have to make sure that we break off all humility, all pride. We have to be completely surrendered to Him and we have to say, God, it's for Your glory alone. It's not for me. It's not so people think I'm special because I'm not. I never died on a cross for anybody. Only you did that. And it's completely and totally for your glory. And when we have that attitude that, yes, it is for his glory and his glory alone, then you better believe he's going to show up. He's going to show up because he wants to see the glory. He wants to have the glory and he wants others to see what he can do. And then he can reach them. He can reach down and touch hearts and touch lives and save lost people. The most important thing is souls saved. Most important. And y'all know I always go in this direction because I believe with all my heart that Jesus is coming so very soon. And I believe that we need to be ready. But not only that, I don't think we need to be complacent and sitting still. 
when there's a church full of people that can go out and walk in power, there's no reason for us to sit still. There's no reason to come to church just expecting to go through the motions and go to the quickest restaurant we can find on the corner beat the Baptist, right? No. We come because we want to honor Him. That we want to draw from His strength. That we want to lift Him up. That we want to cling to Him. We want to believe what He says, what His Word says. And then we want to go out there and affect a world who needs Jesus so desperately. And we can do that. We can have all the power that we want as long as we trust in Him, surrender to Him, strive to be holy like Him, strive to be like Him, be willing to look foolish, be filled with His Spirit. But most of all, we've got to know Him as our own Savior and make sure that we're ready to go because we can't walk in any kind of power without knowing Jesus joining us again. We hope today's word was a blessing to you, maybe even challenged and inspired you. We'd love to connect with you, serve you in any way. Go to mynorthside.church, click the link for us to connect. We are praying for you. We believe that God has great things in store for you. We'll see you next time.